What's going on, everybody? Back with another state of Bitcoin. This week we are ending. Friday will be February 18th, 2022, but we're filming this Wednesday night. So the 16th, uh, current price of Bitcoin is $44,102. Over the last week, we are down 0.3%. We're up 4.4% over the last month. And compared to last year, we are down by 10.2%. We've got a market cap currently of $834.2 billion. Spent output profit ratio, so that SOPR measure that we always talk about uh, is at 1.001, and current block height is 723664 with a mean block interval of nine minutes and 16 seconds. Brandon, what's going on? Yeah, that's a lot you just rambled off there, but uh, basically it seems like it's kind of staying par, right? We're down 0.3% in the past week or so, so still tipping on Fofos, still floating around there. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I got, got my workout in, got a little fresh cut. Watch out for this fade. You know, my barber, shout out Nick, Nick, the barber coming in hot, looking fresh to death. Uh, you know, and we had a good interview with Cedric Youngleman, as I think I pronounced that right. But, yeah. uh, yeah, well, I'm a little teaser for you. So listen to the end of the episode. We'll stick that right there on the end. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling good. I had a couple beers um you know the same old same old how about you my friend i'm good do you go to the same guy every time to get your hair cut yeah now i do i i couldn't find one uh, i went to like a little chain thing they messed up the chop here or there and then now me and my buddies all go to the same guy so shout out nick the barber nice nice make sure you send him this uh, and hopefully he can that'll give us a new listener uh <laughs> yeah all right so Let's uh, let's jump into some stories. I've got, I picked out three and I see the three you picked out. What do you want to do? Go one for one? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's give us, let's give us your story first. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of, you know, ping pong it back and forth. Great. Yeah. So my top story uh, for this week is the news coming out of ConocoPhillips, uh, which is obviously an oil and gas giant, uh, major oil and gas company. They said this week that they've got a pilot project with a Bitcoin miner using gas that would otherwise be flared. And so uh, for those of you unfamiliar with this territory, you've got a gas company, they're joined for gas, pressure builds up, uh, or they're joined for oil, pressure builds up, they've got to release gas from the ground. And they typically do that by burning it, they create a flare column. Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, during this, this oil production process, there's all sorts of gas released, and they've got to figure out what to do with it. Now, ideally, there would be a pipeline where they could divert the gas into, and the pipeline would then be uh, tra- would transport the gas to whoever is the buyer, whoever wants to use it to, to um, use that energy that the gas could provide. But those pipelines, the infrastructure required for those pipelines, it's just not always economically viable, right? If you're 20 miles away from a pipeline, you're not really going to want to build a, a pipeline to connect to it. So. These, these oil and gas companies are in this position where they've got to figure out a way to use this gas other than just burning it into the atmosphere, right? Which is <laughs> just you know, the current standard practice. And so what these Bitcoin mining companies are doing, some of them, so for example, there's Great American Mining Company uh, does something like this. They take that gas, they've put it into a generator, they convert the gas into electricity, and then they use that electricity to power Bitcoin mining rigs. Uh, So it's an excellent way to use this gas that would otherwise just be burned up into the atmosphere. And ConocoPhillips has announced that they're running a 
uh, pilot project with a Bitcoin miner. They didn't say who it was. They did say that they don't operate the miner themselves, that they're just selling the miner gas. Uh, and then the miner's doing it and they didn't disclose which mining company it is. But I think this is super bullish. I think it's a matter of time before these major oil and gas companies figure out that this is a phenomenal way to reduce the amount that they've got a flare. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. So, I mean, obviously this energy is just kind of flared off, right? So it's it's lost wasted energy. It's a CapEx expenditure, yada, yada, yada for these uh, oil and gas companies. But now that, uh, you know, especially with the oil prices and gas prices rising across the globe, right? Um, it makes it for, for more profit for them um, initially, but, uh, you know, anything that these oil and gas companies can do to increase the amount of profit, you know, they're going to do. And uh, obviously they see this as a, as a future, or at least like something in the, in the short term um, that they could just simply sell it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, kind of how they develop this, whether or not like, you know, their close proximity with uh, Bitcoin mining makes them you know, maybe want to get into it or whatnot. Uh, and I'd also be interested to see who they're selling this flare-off gas to. I know they didn't disclose it, um, but I know ConocoPhillips is a publicly traded company, so maybe they will have to in the future. Um, so I definitely think that's something to look out for. And uh, yeah, maybe they're selling it to the highest bidder or mul multiple companies. So um, definitely bullish going forward. Uh, obviously very bullish for the mining space as a whole. Um, you know, we like to see that that energy that's being, uh, you know, flared off or wasted, like used for, um, you know, Bitcoin mining. Obviously, it, it's smart and, and it's just wasted energy. So, you know, why not use it for the hardest money on, on the planet? So, yeah, obviously very bullish on that. Uh, you got anything else to add on that or you want me to roll into the next one? Yeah, just real quick, I'll, I'll add uh, a lot of these oil and gas companies are under incredible ESG pressure. Look, you can hate, you can love or hate ESG, uh, but a lot of these companies are under kind of government scrutiny to have have uh, better standards for ESG. And one of the things they're always ragged on about is this this flare off of extra gas. So, I think Bitcoin miners can come in and and basically buy that gas and say, look, even if even if it's not super profitable for you, like you have, you've got an ESG standard that you have to meet, and we can help you do it. Uh, so some of the research I saw said that the Bitcoin miners can reduce uh, reduce CO2 released into the atmosphere by like 62% uh, compared to just normal flare-off um, procedures. So yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity for these companies to meet those the standards. We can argue whether or not they're unfair standards, um, but I think, you know, it's a no-brainer to me. They can come in and make a little profit. They don't have to build a pipeline to do so and and they can go back to the the regulators and say, look, <laughs> look, we reduced our CO2 like you asked us to do. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly bullish. Why don't we jump into your top story? What do you got? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we all know you're like a big ESG simp and, and you love everything about the ESG narrative. So uh, big of you to bring that into it and uh, not a surprise by me at all. But uh, anyway, we'll roll right into the second one. Uh, so we have the state of Colorado. Uh, is now accepting Bitcoin and Ethereum, but uh, mostly we're, we're going to focus on the Bitcoin aspect here uh, for state taxes. Um, so we actually had a Twitter spaces last night on Tuesday. Um, so Tuesday, the 15th, our recording still on our channel. If you guys want to listen to that on our Twitter at Green Candle IT. But anyway, one of the arguments that uh, one of these fiat bros in the stock market made was, 
there's really no utility to Bitcoin. Um, you know, you can't pay taxes in it, which is something he mentioned, you know, expressed, expressed uh, specifically. Um, you know, you could send payments back and forth uh, through here in, in El Salvador, but there's not a first world country really adopting it. Well, you know, now we have states starting to adopt it, right? We've had Arizona come in and file for legal tender, whether that's, uh, you know, that you think that's a big deal or not, at least it's like, you know, starting to get, uh, make its way to the White House. Um, and then now uh, we have the state of Colorado straight up just accepting, accepting it in, in, as taxes. Um, so I know like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll probably come back and say like, don't give the state any of your Bitcoin or, or anything like that. But I think as far as like adoption goes, uh, I think it's very bullish going forward. Uh, but, you know, also, I think the United States and the average uh, Bitcoin holder is kind of in the, the realm right now where they're more so buying and holding opposed to buying and, you know, selling and exchanging sats and things like that. So um, I think it's good, uh, definitely a start, but I don't think that uh, the United States is really, really ready for it, to be honest. Um, you know, we've had a few other products not like taxes, but like mortgage-based products and other things like that roll out where you could pay in crypto or Bitcoin and uh, very, very few people use that. So I'll be interested to see how many people actually use it. My guess is it's going to be very few. Um, but yeah, overall, just bullish for adoption as a whole. Uh, just, you know, now the state of uh, Colorado is going to have to learn how to hold and, and manage Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, definitely interesting move going forward. What are your thoughts, Danny Dimes? Yeah, you're spot on. Don't give your Bitcoin to the government. Look, make them work for it. Make them work for it. These people haven't even given us the right regulatory framework to where we feel confident going into a tax season, right? Like I don't feel confident going into tax season and I don't trade in all of these shit coins or anything like that. Like I've got Bitcoin for the most part I've bought, and, I've bought and held, but I've moved it between different wallets. Do I have to tell the IRS which wallets are mine to prove that I didn't gain a profit on those coins when I moved them? Like the, we just don't know how to do any of these things. So um, how about until you figure out how we can just report on taxes why don't you figure that out before you jump into, look, you can give us your Bitcoin if you want. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be doing this. I don't live in Colorado, so I can't, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'd like to see the government work for it. And um, and by the way, I, I like the government's not going to be buying Bitcoin. If the government buys Bitcoin, it's your tax dollars going to buy in Bitcoin. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I know you're saying that it will help with adoption. But again, I think simplifying the tax reporting requirements will help, will help that to a greater extent than just them accepting it. And then the, the cap gains thing that came up a few weeks ago, where it's, if the transaction is under $200 worth of a gain, you're not, uh, you're not liable for, for, for uh, cap gains. I think those two things would be huge for helping usher in more of a circular economy. But at the moment, uh, yeah, most of us are just buy and hold anyways. And I think the people that are buy and hold are going to be the last people that pay taxes in Bitcoin. Anyway. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe this does help with adoption. It at least shows that politicians are looking at the issue. So I do like that point. Yeah, um, I forgot who it was exactly, but there was I remember watching one of the early episodes of the Best Business Show with Pomp. 
Uh, I don't really tune in too much anymore. Uh, so sorry for that uh, pomp. But uh, he was saying that some very wealthy individual sends a letter to the IRS every single year, basically saying that the uh, tax code is too long, it's illegible, and uh, he doesn't know if he paid the right amount of taxes because it's impossible to know if he paid the right amount of taxes. Um, and, you know, this is just kind of like the government working as it does, right? So how long has the IRS been around and how long has, uh, you know, they've been collecting taxes from the average, uh, you know, the average wage earner in the United States, right? So if it's something that's been around for this long and they still can't make it easy and concise and, you know, able to understand and, and people have to hire these expensive, uh, you know, tax professionals and things like that to find ways to get around it, um, you know, it's, it's still going to take a while, I think, uh, for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the Bitcoin point, I think that just the exposure, just letting them know, like maybe some Bitcoiners will move to Colorado now and just say like, Hey, I paid it and I paid my taxes in Bitcoin because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, I know there's definitely a lot of people out there that are, they get on zero crowd and they put all their money in Bitcoin and, and everything like that. Um, I think it's getting more feasible by the week, but I also think that, you know, we're still a little bit of ways. Uh, it's definitely moving quicker than I thought, um, you know, a year ago for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's good for adoption. We'll see how many people actually pay in Bitcoin. Uh, my guess is, especially this year, it's going to be very few, um, maybe a little bit more next year. And then maybe it'll start to take off, but we'll see. Uh, it's definitely like one of those things where if it does well in Colorado, more states will implement it. So uh, overall, you know, it, although it's the government taking your uh, Bitcoin, it's, it's got to be seen as a positive for adoption, right? Yeah, I'd say just use this opportunity as an off-ramp for that Ethereum you're holding for no reason. Give, give the government your ETH, but hold on to your Bitcoin. If you're holding ETH, you shouldn't be at this point. But if you are, this is a great opportunity for you to off-ramp from Ethereum. Should I jump into the next one? What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. What do you got for me? Yeah, so the next one I've got is uh, some news that came out of Intel. It was actually kind of a blog post uh, that came out from their senior VP. And they're just providing a little bit of an update about the new chip production that they're engaged in. So last month, I think middle of January, uh, news broke that Intel was going to be entering the ASIC chip production game for uh, cryptocurrency mining. And this post, I don't see it. Yeah, here it is. This post came on February 11th, so five days ago. And I just wanted to pick out a few of the key pieces here. Uh, here's one. This is, again, this is their VP of, this is their senior VP talking. Uh, All right, great, great research we got our, going on our, here. Well, I'm reading, I'm reading actual quotes. Our customers are asking for scalable and sustainable solutions, which is why we're focusing our efforts on realizing the full potential of blockchain by developing the most energy efficient computing technologies at scale. So they're super focused on energy efficient. Uh, and then Another quote that I've got here is, we are engaged directly with customers that share our sustainability goals. Argo blockchain, Block, formerly known as Square, and Grid infrastructure are among our first customers for this upcoming product. And I have this highlighted because I was under the impression that Block was building out their own engineering team to create uh, their own ASIC mining chips. 
and maybe maybe uh, Block has changed course on that. I haven't heard anything about Block changing course, uh, but it looks like they're at least engaging with Intel on this. And then the last quote that I have is here, Intel Labs has dedicated decades of research into reliable cryptography, hashing techniques, and ultra low voltage circuits. We expect that our circuit innovations will deliver a blockchain accelerator that has over 1,000 times better performance per watt than mainstream GPUs, uh, which would be insane. But yeah, I, I especially wanted to get your takes, Brandon, on this thing with block. Weren't you, didn't they come out and say that they were hiring a team of engineers to do this? Yeah, so they said they're hiring a team of engineers to develop um, Bitcoin miners, uh, whether that's home or uh, more commercial miners. It was still kind of unclear. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I see another article here that says, you know, Intel says J Jack Dorsey's block is their first customer for a Bitcoin mining chip, right? So, um, you know, to be honest, it, it's not really super surprising to me. Uh, especially with somebody who's been in the chip game for so long, like Intel, where it's like, okay, well, you know, if you can't beat them, then, then we'll outsource it, right? Because they're one of the, one of the better chip manufacturers globally. Um, you know, I think there's very few companies that do the Apple model where they kind of produce everything in-house. Uh, you know, more of the Android method is, is produced like the chips and, you know, different parts of everything, whether it's a phone, miner, computer or something uh, in various places, whereas, you know, the Apple models kind of develop everything in-house. Um, and so it's definitely easier and, you know, it would, it would allow Square slash Block uh, to roll out a Bitcoin miner sooner, right? Because they then they got to figure out, all right, how do we develop a chip? We got to hire the right people. Like there's all there's all these various factors in there where it's like, if we don't hire the right people and they fuck it up, like, you know, now we're delayed another six months. We're delayed another eight months, whatever, um, until we figure out, find the right people and find the right development team, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think like overall it, it's, Although it, it, I don't really like to see it as like a block investor, like it makes sense, right? Because it'll allow them to go to market quicker. Um, they can, you know, maybe send some people over to Intel. I doubt Intel will be like super, you know, I guess uh, into, into sharing the information on that. But maybe they will because blocks can be like, hey, we need to know the ins and outs of this chip in order to develop like an overall miner for it, right? So it'll be interesting to kind of see the development of it going forward, um, you know, whether or not Block hires some people from Intel too. Um, you know, there's a lot of different situations and scenarios that this could go. Um, but overall, it just seems like it's the right play if they want to go to market earlier. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's an interesting point. One of the things that Dorsey tweeted about back in October when he first said that they were entering the mining game was vertical integration. Like he specifically mentioned the fact that a lot of these chips are manufactured outside of companies and that that's a big thing. Like they need to be able to produce their own silicon. And um, so this is, it's an interesting little tidbit from this because I don't think Block has announced this. Maybe they did. I might be wrong about that, but I had, I didn't, I feel like that would have blown up pretty big on Twitter had they announced something like that. Um, and then the other thing too, is that obviously block has been talking about making things more, more, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but they were focused on home miners. It sounded like, and I, I, I think a super low voltage, ultra efficient chip would really help in that regard. So 
yeah, it sounds like Intel's creating that and you're, you're spot on. Intel's got the, the history of, of producing reliable products. And so why not? You know, it's a financial decision at the end of the day. Do we develop our own or do we go with Intel? And uh, yeah, it looks like they're going with Intel at least at the, at the early stages and maybe they'll start to design in-house later on. But that's what I got. What's yeah. your, what's your second story? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my second story is a little bit on the doom and gloom or, you know, I, I had one positive on the government uh, kind of accepting Bitcoin, but now I have another one that's kind of investigating Bitcoin. Um, so there's a big trucking convoy going on in, in the Canadian government or in, in Canada. Uh, so our friends up north, if you guys aren't following along, uh, you know, follow some people on Twitter like uh, at Bitcoin or at Nobody Caribou, Bitcoin Stoa. Um, you know, we had a, a, one of our earlier podcasts on, on with him as well. Uh, but anyway, the Canadian government is now investing some wallets from the trucking convoy. So a very popular thing that happened was that, you know, uh, Bitcoiners around the globe started sending these truckers uh, sats, right? So they started sending them Bitcoin. A lot was donated to kind of help with the movement and everything like that, because originally the GoFundMe uh, account that they had, I believe it was GoFundMe. Um, if I'm wrong, correct me later. But um, the GoFundMe account that was for the trucking convoy where people were donating, trying to help out the cause, uh, got shut down, right? So um, it kind of just shows, I mean, it's, it's a proof of uh, the proof of Bitcoin being needed, right? So, um, you know, now uh, the Canadian banks are, are shutting down any accounts or if there seems like there's anything nefarious going on with those accounts, they're shutting down and losing access to money when it's your money sitting in that bank. Um, I believe they even issued a, uh, I don't know what exactly the, the phrasing, but essentially a Canadian bank won't need to a, uh, won't need a, like a warrant or anything like that in order to freeze your account. Um, so, you know, a lot of scary stuff that's kind of going on here. Um, whereas, you know, Bitcoin, all you need is really an internet connection and the wallet address. And you can send Bitcoin from, you know, Dan, from me in Florida to Dan in Tennessee, or even me in Florida to all the way to Canada. Um, so there's, there's various places that you can, you know, send it to as seemingly instantaneous for very low fees. Um, you know, I'm sure if you're listening to our podcast, you have somewhat of an idea of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's just kind of showing the use case for Bitcoin, you know, right in front of our eyes. Uh, it's kind of sad to see that it's, you know, come to this where this is something that we need to uh, use Bitcoin for. But, um, you know, overall, it's definitely showing the use case and proving that uh, the use case of Bitcoin is definitely there. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we talk with uh, Joey and Lynn and, and a lot of our Canadian friends up north about this stuff uh, semi-frequently. Um, but yeah, so what, what are your thoughts uh, given, you know, all our, our, all our buddies up north and just kind of like your overall feelings of the convoy and, and what's going on up there? Sure. Well, I'll be very clear from the outset. I'm 100% unapologetically pro-freedom and uh, you, when you earn money, that's your money. That's your money. You can do with it what you want. That means you can donate it to who you want. Um, you know, you, you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, so the idea here is that they've enacted uh, something called the Emergencies Act. Justin Trudeau, the, the prime minister in Canada, has 
invoked the Emergencies Act uh, in an effort to end these these protests. So first he ran away to a college for or a cottage for a few days, and now he's he's you know when he did that, by the way, he was saying, "Oh, this is just a fringe minority. Uh, no one has to pay attention to this. Like the media wasn't covering it at all." Well, it took all of two weeks for him to say that they're a fringe minority to basic basically declaring war on the on these protesters. So I am 100% against this enactment, uh, without a doubt. Now, one of the other things that it gives them the power to do, which was made clear in a press conference on Monday that they gave, was uh, that banks can immediately freeze or suspend bank accounts without a court order and without fear of civil liability. This means that these banks, at the behest of the government, can just start freezing accounts, and they don't. You don't. Get, there's no due process. They don't send you any kind of letter that says, "Hey, we're about to do this." You have to defend yourself. Nothing. There's no court involved. Nothing. They can immediately freeze them. This should terrify everybody. It should absolutely terrify everybody. Um, you might disagree with these truckers, but rest assured, you're going to do something that the government doesn't like at some point in your life. And if you give them the power to do this now, they will use this power against you. Don't wait until they use it against you to realize that it's a bad idea. Realize now, this is a bad idea. Stop it in its in its early, in its infancy. But we have to stop this. Um, so that's my general thoughts on it, Brandon. Again, 100% unapologetically pro-individual freedom. Uh, from everything I've seen on Twitter, it's been completely peaceful. I don't, I don't see any violence. I see people hugging police officers. I, so I don't understand. They're basically being treated as, as terrorists. And I, I don't agree with that at all. It's insane to see people on my timeline that are, that are agreeing with the government here. But as you were saying uh, about Bitcoin, this is a beautiful use case, especially in the West for Bitcoin. Uh, as you'll hear later on in our interview with Cedric, one of the questions we asked him was, do you encounter people who, especially in the US, just don't understand the use case for Bitcoin? They don't understand the value arguments for Bitcoin because we don't have to deal with huge remittance fees. We don't have to deal with governments shutting down bank accounts. At the moment, we don't really have to deal with large amounts of inflation, although I think that's coming. Um, so the use case isn't immediately obvious to a lot of people. A lot of people see Bitcoin as you're going to buy it with the hopes that someone's going to buy it for more later. That's the only reason you have it. And it's just not true. Like Bitcoin is the solution to governments shutting down GoFundMe accounts, shutting down or freezing bank accounts. It's a solution to that if you do it the right way. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, keeping all the people up in Canada and my thoughts and prayers. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I think it's been a wonderful advertisement for Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with you here. And I feel like we, we kind of say that a lot during this show is that, that we agree with each other back and forth, but um, you know, one, one point I have to add to that is, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely unfortunate. Um, and I, uh, you know, I sympathize with some of the people that think that, you know, in the United States, oh, this won't happen, right? Well, now we have somebody, our, our neighbor up north, who this is happening to, right? Where they look at us in the United States, maybe for better or for worse, kind of like their big brother right so it's now like our little brother up, up north is essentially like going through 
an extremely difficult time, right? Because now you, you not only trade your time for money, um, whether that's hard or, or whatever, uh, you know, you, you trade your time at a job or W2, or maybe even you're an entrepreneur and, and you've been having a hard time lately. And, and the government has dictated how you run your business, how you employ people. And uh, now they're dictating like how you accept funds. Um, so it's just very difficult for business owners. I think as a whole, it's difficult for people to see, uh, you know, as, as people up North, um, you know, it's difficult to, to decide. And it's, and it's tough to see people on the other side that don't just understand that's like, Hey, you know, whether it's, you know, vaccine or whatever race, what have you, it's, it's just a way to kind of separate people as a whole. And it's kind of, uh, you know, a way to, to pin each other against each other when, you know, it's, it's been beautiful to see a lot of the coverage that I see out there. It seems for the most part, people in Canada are very united over this cause and very, um, you know, very peaceful. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely tough times going up in Canada. Um, like Dan said, I'll, I'll echo that point. Thoughts and prayers to everybody up there and, uh, you know, stay safe, stay warm. And uh, I hope the truckers can, can complete their, uh, you know, their task and, and keep everything nonviolent. Um, you know, I hope, you know, nobody gets hurt or anything like that. Uh, that's the last thing, you know, anybody wants. Um, and I hope uh, they get their point across. It seems to be doing so in the United States kind of trickling down, but I hope that uh, Trudeau kind of wakes up and, and sees, you know, some of the things that some of these other leaders are, are calling him and, and just kind of opens his eyes to it all. Um, but uh, time will tell whether or not that happens. Um, so yeah, that's all I got for that story. I'll, I'll wrap that and uh, let's go directly into my next one or into your next one. I'm sorry. Unreal. Dude. I, thought you're, up. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to just go two in a row. I do want to add very quickly on that, on the last story too. If you think that CBDCs are going to do anything, but make these kinds of things happen more often and, more aggressive than you're out of your mind. <laughs> like these governments, there's a reason they hate Bitcoin, but they love CBDCs. So keep that and keep that in mind too. And on. All right, my next story is uh, something that's not going to surprise any of us. Uh, Brandon, Charlie Munger. I don't know if you caught his most recent interview, but uh, guys, still pretty bearish. Amongst other things, he said that uh, cryptocurrency should be completely banned. He called Bitcoin rat poison. And he said that, here's a direct quote, I don't think it's good for our country. I don't think it's good that our country is going crazy over Bitcoin and its ilk. He said that it's uh, terrible for civilization as a whole. So yeah, Charlie Munger, probably not going to be buying Bitcoin anytime soon. But here's the other interesting thing. And you pointed this out right before we started the show. He also said that the dollar is going to zero. And I believe in the same interview, he said, you shouldn't buy gold. So interesting. I wonder what Charlie Munger is going to be holding as a currency. I know they're big on Coca-Cola. Do you think that Coca-Cola has the potential to be the reserve currency of the world? I don't know. Look, so here's something I'll say, I say about this is you should look at what investors do and not always what they say. So there was also some news that came out earlier this week or maybe last late last week that uh, 
that Warren Buffett's investing in a bank that does, uh, you know, Bitcoin related transactions and is kind of like holding Bitcoin and things like that. So um, I don't have that exact bank or anything like that. So, you know, obviously great research done here at Green it, Candle. You it can't was, coach that kind of stuff. It was New Bank, N-U Bank. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Warren Buffett invested in New Bank, which, you know, is involved in the Bitcoin space. Um, and his buddy, Charlie Munger, comes out and says this and disavows, essentially, uh, Bitcoin says it's bullshit, yada, yada, yada. But he also says the dollar's going to zero and don't invest in gold, right? So I'm kind of just digging through the lines and reading, reading between it here. And I think that they're starting to come around on the use case of Bitcoin. Um, I think like one thing that these fiat bros kind of see is that their world economic view is the stock market and all these companies make money and the 2% inflation is normal and, you know, all this and that. And like, you need to print money in order for an economy to work properly, right. And, and to avoid economic crashes. Um, even though, you know, economic crashes obviously still happen when you print money and, and things like that. And sometimes it makes it significantly worse, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So I think a lot of these stock market guys, it's just, it's a very hard task and it's a very hard ask to, to, to kind of grasp, you know, the Bitcoin standard and, and what that all entails. And so I think he's starting to come around on the idea. Uh, I'm obviously just speculating here. I'm not buddies with Charlie Munger and his old uh, scraggly ass, but uh, you know, I think that it's definitely like look at what I'm doing opposed to listen to what I'm saying kind of thing. Um, and so uh, it's, you know, Bitcoin's getting too big to, to the point that they're, that they can't ignore it. And, you know, it's also something that like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger invested in Apple at a very late stage and they kind of disavowed at Apple at the beginning too. So um, they've been kind of slow to the roll on tech and uh, they think some tech is overvalued and all this and that, but it'll come a time where it hits hundred K or, you know, maybe higher or something like that. And next thing, you know, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, if they're still alive are still uh, are buying into Bitcoin. So although it seems somewhat negative and he's a bear and whatnot, I think that um, he's kind of starting to get down the rabbit hole. If that makes sense. Well, uh, buddy, he doesn't have much time to get down that rabbit hole. Amen. These two guys are getting pretty damn old. And uh, we should also point out that New Bank, I believe, was backed as a startup by by Buffett. So it's probably not too surprising that he's getting into it. It is interesting that there they it says here purchased one billion worth of New Bank. Uh, on the other hand, it sold one point eight billion and one point three billion of Visa and Mastercard stock. So. Yeah, they're kind of shifting away from these more traditional uh, financial structures and maybe into some more fintech related things. And then New Bank, too, we should point out this is a Bitcoin show, but uh, New Bank is big on cryptos generally. And then the other thing I'd point out is that Brazil seems to be one of these companies or countries where like adopting Bitcoin makes a lot of sense as legal tender. And so who knows? Maybe these guys have some ins with people and. I know that something big is coming up, coming up. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, it could be the case. You never know. It's exciting. All right, stuff. let's let's jump into your next story. No, it's your next. No, story. that was your. Yeah, shit. I'm. Maybe I should stop drinking beers during these. I don't know. Maybe people think it's electric that we fuck up so much, or or maybe what. But uh, 
All right, I'll get into my last story. So uh, the last thing we got uh, on the docket here is that the U.S. senators are now introducing legislation to investigate El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender, and they cite risks for economic stability and democratic governance in El Salvador, as well as the potential threat to the U.S. Oh, excuse me, the U.S. dollar. You know, obviously, this is a Something that I'm not super surprised of. Uh, I thought it was awesome to see Bukele come out and reply to this and say, and I quote, okay, boomers, you have zero jurisdiction on, on a sovereign and independent nation. We are not your colony, your backyard, or your front yard. Stay out of our internal failures and do not try or don't try to control something you can't control with the winky face emoji. So, you know, Bukele is extremely based on Twitter. He goes at these people pretty consistently, uh, which, you know, I like to see, um, you know, the last president of the United States did something similar, but it didn't get that quite the response that maybe Bukele is getting on the internet. But you never know. I mean, uh, I, I obviously think that this is the United States kind of just seeing like, hey, there's a crack in the U.S. dollar. We got to make an example out of El Salvador. And in order to do that, we got to launch an investigation. Um, so to launch an investigation on there, it's going to make other countries afraid that are on the U.S. dollar. And they're like, hey, all right, fine. We were going to develop this. Now we're backing off. Right. Um, but El Salvador's digging their foot in the ground and uh, holding their ground right now. So we'll see how this goes and how this develops. But I definitely think it's interesting and something to follow going forward. And uh, yeah, shout out Bukele, Big Balls Bukele, which we dubbed him at, at some point in time here. Insert that Stan Marsh gif uh, from South Park with the wheelbarrow and the huge giant balls. Um, we'll have our video guy on that immediately. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I've got two things to add for this story. Well, three things. The first one's simple. Bukele, absolutely massive set of nuts on him. Good for him. He's saying exactly what he should be saying in this situation. The second thing... And I think you're spot on. The U.S. is really just doing this because they're recognizing that there's a crack in the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. Uh, look, we just, we saw Russia settle a deal with India in rubies and rubles, uh, rupees and rubles, and then we just saw Russia and China settle an oil deal, uh, I believe, in the euro. So people are shifting away from the U.S. dollar, and I think what the U.S. is doing here is basically saying, "Well, who's who's someone that doesn't have as much global power that we might be able to pick on?" And El Salvador is the first one that they find. So I think they're, they're trying to use El Salvador as a punching bag. And I'm glad that uh, El Salvador has a leader in Bukele that's willing to punch back. The third thing I would add is that, to my knowledge, not a single U.S. politician has come out and said anything about what's happening in Canada at the moment. Like Canada announced, as we just talked about, that, they've at, that they, at their own will, can freeze your bank accounts. Is that, Brandon, it, the, the exact quote from the document announcing the investigation was that Bitcoin as a legal tender increases the risk of or, or threatens risks for economic stability and democratic governance. Okay, what does freezing bank accounts do without due process? Does it increase risks of economic instability and is it absolutely antithetical to democratic governance? I'd say so. So where are you? Where are the U.S. politicians launching investigations about what's happening in Canada? Because I don't see them. 
I'm hitting the Jordan shrug now because I don't really know. I mean, yeah, I agree with you 110% there. I mean, it's like, it's all contradictory. And obviously it's, you know, uh, upon moving here, upon moving there, um, you know, it's all a fucking game to them. And uh, unfortunately they see El Salvador as a little guy, a little mouse in the house, you know, it's Shaq versus five foot seven me just backing me down in the paint, trying to dunk on me. And uh, El Salvador's making his own, its own case uh, here, you know, so We'll see. I mean, I mean, I, I do think that Bukele like being strict and sticking his feet in the ground is great. Um, you know, I don't think that they're going to be able to do anything, especially based off what Bukele said. I mean, granted, I don't, I don't know the full ins and outs of like how this stuff works. I don't think you know, I've ever seen anything like this, at least in my lifetime. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, but you know, overall, I think, uh, you know, good, good on Bukele uh, for not backing down to the United States government. And uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Nobody's speaking out on what the fuck's going up in Canada. So um, they're just bullshitting around right now. So, all right. Well, yeah, that's it for my last story. And I think uh, you, you went through all of your stories. Am I right on that one? Yeah. 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 I hit all three. All right. Well, now we will get into the interview with, Cedric Youngleman, where we go through uh, just kind of his Bitcoin journey and, and his uh, experience in the space. Whoosh. What's going on, everybody? We're here with uh, Cedric. Cedric, pronounce your last name for me. Is it Youngleman? Youngleman. Yeah. Youngleman. Uh, Cedric, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell our audience sure. a little bit about uh, what you got going on. Yeah, I'm Cedric Youngleman. I'm the host of the Bitcoin Matrix podcast. Uh, been doing the show for almost 100 episodes now and a little over a year. And I just really like being a part of the Bitcoin scene and uh, learning about Bitcoin. And uh, it's been really incredible just being a part of the conversation and, and getting to know so many Bitcoiners in person and on the internet. So uh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, 100%. Of course. Of course. Uh, 100 episodes. When did you, when did you start the podcast? Uh, September 2020 is when I sent out uh, my first uh, drunk invite to Pierre Richard uh, late on a Saturday night and Sunday morning. He said yes. And about a week later, we, we were recording and I recorded about four or five episodes before I released and, and started releasing shows in early October. Um, so it's been that's been quite the journey and really fun. Nice. So what is, uh, what, what kind of got you into the podcasting realm? Like what made you just want to go for it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I've, I loved podcasting, uh, even before I started listening to Bitcoin podcasts, I was really into that medium, uh, that sort of, uh, being, I feel like you're, you're in the conversation or like in the room for a conversation. And I love long form discussion. And so I just really like that art form and that medium. I, I never thought I'd be a podcaster or anything. Um, but uh, really just studying Bitcoin uh, is what made me want to become a Bitcoin podcaster. I just love learning about Bitcoin and doing the research. And I wanted to be able to justify the research. I wanted to be able to sort of defend my research time. And, uh, and uh, I really just wanted to listen to more podcasts and read more articles. And then, you know, I felt like I wanted to have, uh, I had my own questions. And sometimes I'd listen to some amazing podcasts and you know, so interesting where everyone goes, but I was like, ah, maybe I would just ask a different question there, or um, that'd be really cool. And, and then I uh, just selfishly, it was a great opportunity to, you know, get to talk to Bitcoiners. Um, 
Now, I was really excited about um, creating sort of a legacy for my kids so that even if I didn't release these tapes or even if no one else heard them, uh, I might have some discussions that were worth a while to pass on to my kids. And uh, I didn't know if I'd get to any good answers, but at least they'd hear like my questions and, and where I was trying to go, and what my concerns were. So there was just so many reasons. And then I got a lot of feedback from people. They were like, maybe you should start a, start a podcast. And I think in those situations, it was a little bit more like maybe, you know, you'd be the one talking, but I, the more I thought about it, I just wanted to interview people that just had such interesting things to say. And what's so interesting about the Bitcoin rabbit hole is um, it leads to other rabbit holes or it leads to sort of questioning things or it reinvigorated my curiosity and sort of my uh, um, thinking, oh, what I heard before wasn't true or wasn't really accurate. And um I found, finally found something that had this sort of endless uh, rabbit hole of truth. And I just wanted to reapply that lens to so many things that I'd lost interest in or given up on. Or um, So it was just another opportunity to uh, meet other Bitcoiners that had not just found Bitcoin, but were really interested in other ideas that were tangential to Bitcoin or related to money or philosophy or like sort of like how Brandon Quidham talks about mushrooms and how Bitcoin is horizontal genetic uh, sort of uh, infrastructure. And I just wanted to go down those different rabbit holes with people. So yeah, it's so interesting how I listen to podcasts, probably two or three podcasts every day. And, and at least one of them is about Bitcoin. It's so crazy that you'll hear somebody and they just pull on some tiny thread that you'd never thought of before. Yeah. And it, it all of a sudden just comes together in your mind out of nowhere. It's, it's, yeah. it's a really amazing phenomenon. Do you have, uh, do you have any particular favorite podcasts? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I think uh, there's a lot of great podcasts out there and I was, you know, when I first started out, I was lucky to find Marty Benton, Tales from the Crypt, and Stefan Levera's podcast. Um, there were some early episodes on Pomp that were really influential, like with Murad, um, one of his very early uh, Pomp. It was a huge episode on Bitcoin, and that was really big. Anywhere Bitcoin Tina was, anywhere American HODL was. Um, and, and what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormack was really influential in the beginning. He had uh, some of the best guests and it was, it was really interesting to hear his journey going from being a no coiner and, and then you know, going on the Bitcoin journey. And he was doing a lot of traveling with the Bitcoin podcast and what Bitcoin did. So it was really fun to kind of hear him. He's, he's like, he's in Cleveland now and he's at this conference or he was in LA. And so you kind of felt like you were moving around with him. Uh, similar to you guys, when, when I went from sort of uh, just general podcast listening to the Bitcoin podcast. I only started listening to Bitcoin podcasts after that, mostly because I felt like anyone who was having an interesting conversation who wasn't a Bitcoiner was missing a whole part of the world that I'm like, how can you even comment on this subject if you don't know everything that's out there? Uh, I think it's kind of like the way that is with maybe Bitcoin uh, podcasts now where you 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 might love a particular guest, but you, you kind of want to hear them current because maybe you don't want to go back three years and hear them talk about something before certain events happened or, or certain new things happened because it almost feels irrelevant. Um, I think there's something really, um, you know, um, hyper real about a conversation in the moment. And uh, yeah, I only wanted to listen to people who kind of discovered this new technology and this new tool and were looking at the world through that lens. And if they, if they weren't, I would almost be like, if this person doesn't learn about Bitcoin soon, I'll, I just can't ever listen to everything they say about the world again. It doesn't seem relevant. So, Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great stuff. 
All right. So let's back it up then. So we, we got why, why you started podcasting. Now tell us your orange pill story. How did sure. you uh, get into Bitcoin here about it and all hmm. that? Uh, I think I heard about Bitcoin maybe early on and in, in somewhere around probably 2010 or 2011. And I just kind of said, oh, that's really interesting. And I think that's a great tool for sort of revolutionary purposes or people who just want to use money for things that the state won't allow them. I just didn't really know how to process that or relate it to my world other than that'd be cool if I could buy some of that stuff and just play with it. Uh, I never really saw it as an investment or a store of value or anything that, you know, and I wasn't really having an issue getting anything in my life with money. Um, and then I think I came across again in 2013, again, a similar kind of thing. And um, then it started, I think it had a little more value and it was kind of like, oh, wow, that, that seems really interesting. But like, I'm really busy right now and uh, I'm just really focused on these other things. Uh, I'm just, you know, whatever I can, I'll put in my 401k and, and I'm just gonna keep moving forward. I'm not gambling out here or investing on speculating on things, you know? And then uh, in 2016, I really migrated from, uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say, from Facebook to Twitter. And I was looking for better signal with everything going on in the world. And I moved to Twitter. And uh, I don't know if I maybe while I was on Twitter, got involved in FinTwit, like financial Twitter, but Bitcoin stuff just come came into my feed. And things would be said in such a way that, um, I, you know, people would see it sound very absolute or that they, they, they could solve all the problems with this thing or very... Uh, euphoric and and that would make me want to challenge it so when i heard things about bitcoin or you know but now i'm just hearing so much about it on twitter and then i start glancing at price and price is just moving in late 2017 so now as just someone who spent 20 25 years in, in legacy finance and accounting and who's always been interested in markets uh, and i'm hearing all these incredible well, I, I don't know what to, you know, how to describe them but people are saying you know bitcoin's gonna fix this fix the money fix the world all the, you know and it's like if 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 ten percent of this is true, this seems like a very important thing. Uh, so, like anyone else, I, I went to Coinbase after a while, and I'm like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll buy a certain amount of Bitcoin, and uh, I took that amount and I, I ACH'd it from my bank to Coinbase because that seemed like the most legit <clears throat> place to buy this stuff. And by the time my money got there, Bitcoin had gone up another like fifty percent. So now uh, I'm not going to get a whole Bitcoin and. I'm just thinking, all right, now I'm looking at Coinbase and you know, my shitcoin journey uh, started. You know, they're positioning Ethereum there, they're positioning Litecoin there. And I'm thinking, well, if I can't get a whole Bitcoin, maybe I can get a whole, whole of these, uh, a few of these other things. And over the next four to six weeks, those things, Litecoin, Ethereum actually ran way further than Bitcoin did. You know, I think I'm a genius across the board. I'm studying all this new technology. Uh, but, you know, Fast forward a few months, I've, I've lost a bit of money on these shit coins. Uh, Bitcoin's tanking. I, I'm still hearing that this stuff is going to solve all the problems. And I'm still, as someone who doesn't deal well with maybe like authority from a standpoint of like, I don't want you to tell me what to do. You know, if you tell me what to do and I agree, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. But I don't, I don't really deal well with people telling me how to think or do. So I'm going to challenge those things. And I just started doing my research and... Uh, I had to figure out, well, if this thing is anything like we I thought it was, uh, am I going to go through a bear market? Do I have conviction? Why do I have conviction? How do I get conviction? And I just started doing my work. Uh, and the more I, I learned about Bitcoin, the more I tried to, I don't know if you want to use the word defeated or find the, the hole in the argument, or I couldn't. I couldn't refute any of these, these out, what seemed like outlandish, absolute arguments. And uh, it was very toxic. But the more I learned about it, the more uh, I was like, wow, this is really everything I, I thought it was and more. 
and I became more and more interested in it. And, you know, from the very beginning, just getting a few Satoshis, learning about freedom money and learning about inflation and why I'm having a hard time being able to, you know, raise a family and give them everything I want to give them uh, that they need. And, you know, summer camp or after school programs or new pair of sneakers and, and prices are going up. And, you know, as someone who's spent a long time in markets and studied markets in China, it's like, whoa, like, this is actually a tool that can help me solve a lot of problems um, in the first world and, and maybe create a better future for my family. Uh, and then, then it gets deeper, you know, then it's about high, you know, time preference and, and thinking about generations and not just, uh, you know, next year. Um, and, you know, here we are f- almost five years later, it feels like 20, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's been an amazing ride. Um, And I'm just, I love learning, but I I can't think of anything I want to learn more about uh, than this. I mean, I want to learn about a lot of things, but, uh, and this just touches so many uh, parts of my life uh, just through money. And you learn about what is money and, and, you know, and then I think a lot about how I want to help my kids learn about what money is and what the best money is and why money is such an important tool and I think that really just comes down to unit of account, just trying to be able to make calculations um, and eliminate business risk from a certain part of my life. So, uh, you know, if I'm invested in stocks and bonds, real estate, I have just, you know, a lot more risk around uh, fashion risk, location risk, business risk, personnel risk, product risk, service risk, market risk, geographic risk, political risk. And I, I want a certain set of money that that and gold doesn't do that for me because I can't take possession of the gold. I'll never know if I have real gold. I always have counterparty risk. How can I just have some money that has no risk, um, and and that 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 can't be debased, and that nothing can get between me and the production or the consumption of that money unless I choose to uh, use or lose or give away my keys or trade my keys for something. So. Uh, I guess that was a lie and we can go in a lot of different places from there, but because it's just really, um, it permeates so many parts of my life. And, and, you know, I hope we get to a place where it permeates so many parts of my life that I don't even have to discuss it anymore. It's just, we're, we're, you know, we're on a Bitcoin standard and it's just now that that's just being a fish in water and we can get back to like, how do we, uh, you know, take these opportunities of being on a Bitcoin standard and continue to produce and create, uh, and get back to that kind of stuff. Because um, like fixing this money thing is time consuming and, and takes us away from what we would do if we were on a, a better money. Yeah, I've got I've got a hundred things to ask <laughs> you after that, but uh, I'll start with the simple one. Like no one ever asked you what your how you got into fiat currency, right? <laughs> so, yeah, once, <laughs> right, we get, right. once we get to the Bitcoin standard, a lot of these conversations I think won't won't have to be had, but you mentioned something when you first got in that, that basically said, well, I've got some money to invest. I'm watching these prices go up. And it wasn't until after you were already in that you started to kind of understand the underpinnings of what it could actually be for people in third world countries, people that you know maybe are not in uh, the United States or in Canada or, or some of these countries that haven't had, like, look, we've had financial crises, but uh, you know maybe not as bad as, as what's happening in Turkey, for example. And I find that this is, this is a very frustrating thing for me. Like we had a little spat on a Twitter spaces last night with this guy who was saying, Oh, what's the value of Bitcoin? You're just buying it and holding it and hoping the next person 
buys it at a higher price. And you can't convince these people for whatever reason that, no, the value is that it's uncensorable money. Right. There's a hard cap. Like, you know, you know, it's not going to go beyond that cap. Uh, it's on an open ledger. You can't convince them that that's value. They just see it as a stock. So do yeah. you run into that often? And when you do, what oh my gosh, I run into that so much. Uh, one of my wife's friends, because thinks it's multi-level marketing for bros. And that's, it's, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of these people, I don't like to use that for a lot of life, but a lot of my peers, you know, we like how to correct a little bit. We don't, we don't necessarily have money to invest. We have money to protect maybe at best. And in a lot of ways though, you know, let's say you're putting five, 10% into your 401k. You're not thinking of that as investing. You're thinking of that as savings. Most people in the fiat world, that's like, that's their savings. And they're looking at this Bitcoin thing and that's very speculative and it's highly risk because they don't understand it. So it just looks like gambling. And when you look at it from that perspective and they're saying, okay, I, whatever money I have that I want to protect, I need to go and gamble with that because the fiat is not protected. The fiat's going to be debased. So I got to offload this into something. And, and everything I've, I've off, I'm going to offload into in, in, in that world is very risky. It's, it's stocks, it's bonds, it's real estate and Bitcoin. And they're like, well, I understand what these things are and I don't understand what that. So it just seems risky. And they don't understand any of the utility around uh, remittances or censorability or seizurability or what's going on in Canada right now with the truckers. None of that matters to them because they don't see this as a tool to fix those problems that they might not either be facing or they're not connecting to this. And a lot of times what I find, you know, when I meet, you know, someone and I was like, Oh, look, you're, yeah. I say, Oh, you're very concerned about money. It seems, you know, like you're talking about, and I might, I think this Bitcoin thing could solve a lot of your problems. And they'll say, look, I'm up to here talking about money. I can't, I can't, I can't. And it's like, but this will, this will take all that up to here away and give you the opportunity. But at the same time, at that moment, they're looking at you and they're sizing you up, in my opinion. And they're thinking, oh, you probably have Bitcoin. You, you want to, um, you, you probably got in at a really good price. And now they're thinking, you're ahead of me in this, this game. And all we're trying to do in this fiat world is find somewhere to gamble our fiat if we have any to invest, right? Because you got to beat inflation. And you're, you already won. So like odds of me winning lower, you know what? And, and odds of me catching you because they still see it as trading against you and maybe not trading against their future self, right? So they're like, oh, well, this guy's got, uh, I'll make it up. He's got three Bitcoin. Well, that's, that's $120,000. I mean, you know, I don't got that in my checking account. Well, what am I going to do? Liquidate my entire 401k to catch him? You know, and they don't see how $10 a week or $100 a month or whatever it is will benefit them over long term. They're like, and they're like, well, where could, if I'm going to make a bet like that, like, well, why wouldn't I go find my own? And maybe I'll outperform him. I'll find the next Bitcoin. They're just, it's still not a thing that's related about like, you're not solving their problem. They're like, well, we all have this problem. And I doubt you solved the world's problems with your little toy here. Um, there's no way you've solved the world that you would know about it before the news would tell me or my financial advisor or, you know, there's just no way. And um, so either you got lucky and you're ahead of me um, and, and you could see that math going on in their head. And it's just it's unfortunate because you're not talking about the thing. They're still trading and they're trading against you because in the fiat world, it really is 
uh, we're all against each other. Oh, your cousin can get you that liquor license to open that bar. And if I bought that same property, he would not give me the liquor license. Oh, you, you know, your, your uncle's at that company and can get my niece a VP job. Um, oh, you know, you're at a company that's going to, your father works at the cruise ship company. And even though they're not doing cruises, they're going to get money from the government and get fat bonuses. So it's all about connections and politics and not about self-sovereignty and independence and decentralization. None of these things are even uh, a paradigm in their mind. So I find it very hard. Uh, and then uh, the, the, the dichotomy of that is if you have that conversation over time with someone, it, price needs to go up for them to believe you. And then you run into that, well, you know, you're right, but are you gonna be right again? You know, and again, they're not taking the time to learn for themselves or figure out what's going on here or do their own research. And, and it's back to the, why should I trust you? And you get into that trust conversation. Uh, why should you trust me? I'm trying to give you information for you to go and figure this out for yourself. And they're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm gonna go back home and watch some Netflix. And, pretend that this didn't happen because if, if, if you're right, you're always going to be way ahead of me and, and I'm never going to catch up and I'll never have the conviction to try to catch up. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather you be wrong and, and I'll find my own thing. And I, I find it very hard to get through to people. Yeah, I do. And that's one of the reasons I, I started a podcast. People in my real life didn't want to talk about it as much. I was like, there's nothing more important to talk about right now. Um, if I, and I say to people, if I'm 1% right, if I'm 1% right, this might be something. And if I'm completely wrong and you love me, do an hour of work and come back and tell me how I'm a jackass. Like, save me then. Uh, no. So. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I mean, I think the biggest, my biggest takeaway from what you were saying is the trust factor. Um, we had uh, Nobody Caribou, uh, Bitcoin mm. Stoa, Nick, Nick, who was doing a lot of good work at the, uh, you know, the truckers convoy up there. And he told us that he was able to one orange pill one trucker one day, uh, right before we talked to him. And he said the biggest thing was he didn't approach him right away and say, hey, have you heard of Bitcoin? You know, he had a conversation right. with him. He was like, what do you need? What can I help? Do you need a warm shower, clothes, food, etc." And then he said, you know, like <clears throat> there's this thing called Bitcoin, which can help solve a lot of the issues you're going through right now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. The other argument I think we're getting a lot now is, uh, you know, in the, in that same space as we had yesterday, it was a lot of equities guy and, and people in the stock market. And, you know, they, they've sort of been taught this one way. And if the, you know, economic system as they know it is collapsing, which, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners seem to believe uh, that's the case, then their whole worldview is kind of turned upside down, right? So mm -hmm. um, they're kind of resistant to that initially right away. Um, and then they always tell, you know, people like Dan and I, uh, once they figure out where we're not, you know, quite seasoned or anything like that, they're like, well, I was a gold bug back in the day, um, you know, I was preparing for inflation and they see Bitcoin as, you know, just strictly an inflation hedge. And then when these CPI numbers come out and the price doesn't shoot up immediately, they're like, see, I told you it wasn't an inflation hedge. Right. So what do you kind of tell those, those people who just look at it as, you know, strictly as, a, as an inflation hedge or anything like that? Like how have you been able to successfully convert any of those people and what kind of, what do those conversations seem to look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of goes back to debasement and just trying to explain that uh, even if Bitcoin didn't go up in price, uh, I really think it's a very serviceable tool in a lot of ways, especially as an inflation head, because uh, still fiat is going down. Uh, 
so you, I really try to move to like the unit of account conversation and, and your portion of the network never changes regardless of the exchange rate back into dollars. Uh, and that is where the power comes from. Um, and, and so I think, um, and you can really talk about just fundamentals though. I mean, a big, you know, we have a fixed cap here and we have a, an unlimited cap on the other side. And, you know, and, and it's a little bit of like, you know, the elephant, uh, the, the, the blind men trying to find, you know, describe an elephant because, you know, everyone thinks of Bitcoin, maybe, especially the beginning is a different thing. You know, you, you grab the tail and you think it's an inflation hedge. And, uh, you know, you think on the, uh, you grab a leg and you think it's uncensorable money. And you kind of have to figure out where your audience or the person you're trying to orange pill, what uh, appeals to them most. Is it inflation? Is it, is it sensorability? Is it what's going on uh, in Turkey? Is it what's going on in Canada? But if inflation is, is the biggest issue there, I think you really have to then go to like a five-year chart. Uh, and, and, you know, compare uh, fiat over or M1, M1 money supply over a five-year chart or look at the stock market over the M1 uh, money supply. And you can then really start to look at, well, what is your money doing actually against inflation? You know, you could look at housing against the M1 money supply. Uh, how's your, you know, if your house went up 30% and everyone's house went up 30%, are you, do you have actually any more buying power or purchasing power if, if what you want to buy has gone up the same amount or more? So I think some of those arguments are what really help. I think a lot of it depends on how much people are, you know, if they want to learn about Bitcoin, you know, a lot of times I'll take them right back to the dollar and how money works. And, and you got to table Bitcoin for a while to get, you have to, you lay out some definitions and some foundation. It depends on how much time you have with someone. And I also think uh, I learned this from Parker Lewis when he was speaking a bit back boom. I mean, I, and I have a problem with this, but like, try maybe not to go for the Mike Tyson punch out. Try to do body blow, body blow, body punch, body punch, body punch, make small punches. Maybe pick one finite point you're trying to make. And maybe that's 21 million Bitcoin will only ever be. Uh, maybe, you know, dial it back from making these, well, a lot of these grand arguments, how we're going to fix the money, fix the world. Uh, maybe start with the body punches and, and sort of the 21 million cap. Um, really pound that home. And I think you also have to look at most people only have about maybe 30, 40, 45 minutes, an hour tops. If they're super interested, they're going to burn out with the amount of information you can give them after 30, 35 minutes. So um, make your points, try to make some good ones, uh, maybe not go for the punch out, uh, maybe not try to insult the way they've been thinking about the whole world up until now. Um, you know, and then just gear it towards what maybe they're interested in, what problem they're trying to solve. Uh, another one I like to use is around, you know, unit of account and, you know, just measurement. So if you were trying to measure your house and maybe you pay taxes based on square footage, so the government issues a ruler and the first year you count your house, you know, you have a thousand square foot and that means you owe a thousand dollars. And the next year the government sends you, you know, the ruler to count the square footage in your house. And now it's 11 inches, the ruler. So now your house is 1100 square feet. You got to pay more taxes, but you don't actually have more, you know, more house, more shelter, more utilization or, or usability of the house. Sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people about how like how Big Macs went from two for five last year to two for six. And they're not bigger, they're not better, they're not tastier. You know, it's just your dollar losing value. It's not, you're not getting anything more for your money. Uh, kind of pound those points home. But it, it's difficult out there in, in, in Normie land. Um, so, yeah, I agree 100%. You got to try to find the problem they're facing, right? It's one thing to go to people in El Salvador or Argentina and say, 
we can give you instantaneous <laughs> free remittances so you don't have to deal with the Western unions. It's easy to sell people like that. And I think it's probably getting pretty easy in Canada to sell people the it's censorship resistant, right? right. So I, I think it's finding those needs. And maybe in the US right now, the need is, hey, do you not want to have to work all day and then come home or hire a financial advisor that you have to talk to because you need to beat an 8% inflation to stay even? Like, do you, do you not want to have to come home and look at stocks and read quarterly reports right. and do all of this? Right. You, like, do I you mean, want to earn your money once? Yeah. I mean, not just earn your money. It's like dentists, plumbers, engineers, accountants. They have to spend 30% of their time trying to manage their wealth. And, and that's just, they should be spending that time enhancing their, their careers and focusing on, you know, what they could do. And if, you know, if you go back to biblical times, like they would say, like, keep 30% of your money in your home. So that makes kind of sense. 30% of your money in your business, maybe you had inventory or capital expenses, and then 30% in gold at that point, just regular cash, risk-free. And that tool has been taken away from us, uh, just to be able to have 30% of your wealth in, in completely risk-free uh, sense. Yeah, 100%. Hey, uh, everyone knows that the boys here at Green Candle are a low-budget operation, and so we're, we're running up mm -hmm. on our, our free Zoom account here. We're running up on time, but we want to give you the opportunity to uh, just plug everything you got going on. And, and I, know, I think maybe Brandon wants to do a thing where we ask every guest the same question. So I don't know if he's come up with a question or not yet, but yeah, Brandon, why don't you ask the question and then Cedric, just feel free man. plug whatever you got going on and, and uh, let people know where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, we got the low budget operation here, but uh, yeah, I mean, Kanye has been in the news a lot. If you've been on the <laughs> internet, um, he's been, uh, he's been a savage lately and his albums coming out uh, uh, probably in the next, uh, what is it for six days from this recording, um, so do you have a favorite Kanye West song, um, uh, or favorite, if you got a top three, top three, uh, uh, favorite Kanye song would probably be gold digger with Jamie Foxx. Uh, I'm a little more Kanye old school for me. Um, yeah, I mean, Kanye is an emblematic figure. Uh, I, 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 I like his work with Jay-Z a lot. A lot of the production he did for Jay-Z, uh, on blueprint. I, I think that's dope. Um, yeah, and I like, uh, but no, I don't know a lot of his newer stuff, and I just really can't deal with a lot of his persona in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes I think he's cool, and sometimes I just think I don't know what to make of him. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I, I I still listen to a lot of hip hop from 1994 to 1996, to be honest, like De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest, and um, but I would love to see. I've seen videos where Kanye kind of understands Bitcoin. Uh, I've seen him speak on it. <clears throat> he seems to really get it. I, I think he's a very important person. Uh, I do think he's a genius, and I would love to see him come correct uh, for Bitcoin on Bitcoin with his fans um, and, and give out some positivity that way. I, I, I'm really upset with, I think, the music establishment in general, and I know they're all individuals, but lately with a lot of artists playing where, where mandate vaccine passports are required or just not speaking out on these issues. I just been really disappointed. I don't know how else to put it. And so I just, I don't really keep up with Kanye's personal life or anything like that anymore. And um, so I, I'm sorry if that doesn't. Uh, no, no, that, that, 
That works. It's actually kind of funny you say that because um, he actually made a post um, maybe a, a couple of weeks ago, but right now he's going through a little hairy stuff. But he said, um, like, quit asking me about NFTs. I'm making oh, fucking really? real shit, real music, real productions, like real videos. Quit asking right. me about NFTs. And then he then at the, he signed it. And at the end, he wrote, ask me later. So right. we'll see if That's he actually gets, cool. gets down that yeah. I don't know. I guess he's we'll also, see if he gets down that rabbit hole. I lost some respect for him with his family life. I mean, he's divorced now or getting divorced. I think that's just, I don't like to see people get divorced. And I, I kind of think we all could have called that going in. Um, it, it just seemed like he was trying to match Jay-Z and Beyonce. And I don't know, you know, and, and even Jay-Z lately, I'm just bummed out. Watch, where, watch him walking around with the mask everywhere. And um, yeah, I just... You know, and I, uh, I wish these guys would take more rebellious stands at their point at this point in their careers. Yeah, they definitely seemed more rebellious in their younger days. Yeah, All right, well, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, Sorry. no, no, nothing more to add there. But um, right. and shout out to uh, nobody caribou uh, Bitcoin Stower. I just was recently on his show, so um, he seems to be uh, right in the thick of it right now, learning a lot. So um, shout out to him as well. Hundred percent. I'll just plug my show. Uh, I am the host of the Bitcoin Matrix. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at said Youngleman, C E D Y O U N G E L M A N, and at underscore Bitcoin Matrix. Uh, you can find the show at all platforms: iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And uh, we have philosophical conversations about Bitcoin and the future of money and the societal and cultural implications. Um, and I just want to thank you guys so much for having me on the show. This has been a blast. Yeah, Cedric, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Maybe when we upgrade to pro, we'll have you back on mm -hmm. for a longer conversation. Fair because, enough. Uh, I, yeah, I've exactly. Been I've been listening to your your podcast, and it's it's. Uh, I think you have some really great conversations. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, man. It's been so dope. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Cedric Youngoman. Uh, be sure to leave us a comment or a review or interact with us on Twitter. What did you think of having him on the guest? You know, we got that low budget op out there. Is it is it too short? Is it too long? Um, what do you guys like? I mean, he wanted to keep ripping with us. We could have him back on for sure at a later date. Um, but yeah, join us. Um, obviously, I'm I'm Brandon, and your co-host is here with Dan. Um, we're the Green Candle Boys. You can find us uh, on Twitter at Green Candle IT. Our personals are in there at BKeys1010 and at PVO underscore Dan. Uh, we write two newsletters a week. We got at greencandleinvestments.substack.com. And uh, yeah, we got our Instagram account and our YouTube. So be sure to subscribe and like. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and give us a like and a comment and let us know what you think. Um, and yeah, we host a bunch of Twitter spaces too. So if you want to come and you hear this interview, you got some questions for us, uh, anything like that, come and interact with us. We uh, are live every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time um for our bitcoin happy hour and uh we got our other podcast too the sunday scary stock talk podcast uh which we release on sundays if uh you know we're not too hungover hopefully sunday mornings but maybe generally sunday midday so uh yeah check us out on all the things we're doing you can follow us on our twitter account dan you got any of the final parting words no i uh, hey we appreciate everyone's support and yeah you know, like brandon said follow us on everything hit us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, hit the subscription button on all those. Give us likes, 
share the shit that we're doing if you like it and uh, just try to amplify signal. We're here to try to provide signal and cut through noise. And we, appre- we appreciate anyone uh, who amplifies that. So that's all I've got. Brandon, uh, hey, I th- I'd, I'd just Pump say not investing advice, but I'd just say 100K by the end of next week, I think is in play. So I think 100K by the end of this recording is in play. Let's pump the jam, pump it up. All right. Hey, everyone, have a great weekend. Everyone, have a great weekend. Pump it up, pump it, pump it, pump it, pump.